Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Hey y'all, spooky season is here. And if you're looking for a show to whet your appetite for a little haunted history, then I'd like to invite you to check out Southern Gothic, a chart-topping history podcast that explores some of the most infamous legends folklore, ghost stories, and hauntings of the American South. We've covered all sorts of stuff from the Bell Witch of Tennessee to the disappearance of the Confederate submarine, the H.L. Hunley, not to mention our deep dives into the local lore of some of America's oldest and most haunted cities like New Orleans, Charleston, and St. Augustine. So if you're ready for a little good old-fashioned Halloween storytelling with a commitment to quality historical research, then be sure to check out Southern Gothic today. It's available now on all your favorite podcast apps. What follows may not be suitable for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. The world is full of stories. Stories of mysteries. Of curiosities. Of oddities. Join Pat and Jethro Gilligan-Toth for the strange, the bizarre, the unexpected, as they lift the lid and cautiously peer inside the box of oddities. So we dodged a bullet last night. Uh, we we had I a little say that we had a little champagne, and you know the history, cat's history. When she gets champagne in her. Uh, she needs to book a trip somewhere, <laughs> usually a cruise. That's been the pattern. And, and so this time she's on the uh, Viking River Cruise website mm. and had picked out uh, a cruise. It was really nice. And, and put it, actually put it in the cart. And I said, you know, maybe we should let cooler heads prevail yeah. and, and not purchase right now because, well, it'll max out what room we have on our credit card. <laughs> but... Um, also, we won't be tipsy. And it's true. So I'm really proud of us. Yeah, um, I'm not, but that's fine. <laughs> I uh, did get a follow up today, though, because I guess because I got so far into the booking process and then didn't finalize. Yeah. Um, after I got out of uh, having my hair cut today, I had a voicemail. And of course, I never listened to voicemails. You look at the transcription. I look at the transcription. Sure. That's often very entertaining. <laughs> In this case, I had no no idea what was going on. I was like, what is this about? And I had to listen to it in this case, because listen to this transcription. <laughs> okay. <clears throat> Hi, this is Grayson. Wants to go with the bike? He just wanted to follow up regarding your interest in our little boy. I see you had <laughs> attempted to make bookie. <laughs> And I was like, yeah, I don't know what you're saying. Who's Grayson? What 
bike. I don't have a bookie. Maybe you need one. Maybe. Maybe you need so one. So I listened to it, and yeah, it was like, hey, we see that you uh, got really far in the booking process, but didn't finalize. What yeah. can we help you with? Blah, 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 blah. Well, you can give us a huge discount. That I would, would like be nice. that. Yeah, we'd, yeah. we'd approve that. Well, while we're waiting for that, um, I've got a story for you. Story me up. You remember a few episodes, the episode I did on Martin Pistorius, the ghost boy yes. locked in syndrome. A very fascinating story, and it got me thinking about unusual medical conditions and the people who deal with it. So I'm going to talk about some people with some incredibly rare medical conditions. Natalie Adler, for example, she's unable to open her eyes for days at a time. Oh my goodness. She was only 17 years old and she woke up one morning and her eyelids were just swollen and she thought maybe allergies or, you know, something. Mm-hmm. But uh, it, it continued to worsen and uh, it deteriorated to the point where she would go for days without being able to open her eyes. Ugh. In a local TV interview in 2017, 13 years after her condition first appeared, she said, quote, my eyes just developed into a random cycle where they would spasm shut for three days and then open for three days. Oh, my gosh. Terrifying. I would think. It's a condition that's extremely rare. It's baffled all of the doctors that she's consulted with. In fact, it's so rare, this condition doesn't even have a name. So it's not that she's got some other thing going on and it makes her eyes do this thing. Mm. It's just that her eyes do this thing. Yeah. Wow. She is now considered legally blind. Oh, my goodness. She's had some success, though, with uh, Botox treatments. Botox will help keep her eyes at least partially open. Oh, wow. But she still suffers from uh, what some are calling random bouts of blindness every month. How weird is that? That is weird. But even so, she remains extremely optimistic and hopeful for a cure. She says she never loses hope because that's the kind of person she is. Do you mean optic mystic? (laughs) (laughs) Eye jokes. (sighs) Then there's Gabby Gingris, and saying her name is just fun. She was only a small child, and she started biting her hands. You know how toddlers will do that? They'll, yeah. You, know, you got to put like socks on their yeah. hands and duct tape them on there so that they don't eat their own hands. Well, in this, Toddlers are weird. <laughs> they are. These weren't just little toddler nibbles, though. She would bite them so severely that her mother described her hands as looking like raw hamburger. Oh, my gosh. The odd thing was that she never cried. She was later diagnosed with congenital insensitivity to pain with anhydrosis. Basically, she doesn't feel pain. It's some sort of a neurological condition. And she can't even sweat. It's a rare nervous disorder, and it's so rare that uh, at the time of her diagnosis, medical experts were only aware of about a dozen people on the earth who are afflicted with the same condition. I remember there was an episode of House where uh, one of the patients on the show had that condition. And Mm. now I really want to watch House. (laughs) The inability to feel pain has caused a series of medical issues for uh, Gabby, one of which was losing most of her teeth. When she was young, she would break them off, off either biting on toys or later they would be voluntarily removed after she damaged her mouth so severely that she had to be hospitalized. Oh my goodness. A local TV station in Minnesota 
did a story on her and how her insurance company refused to cover the costs of the dental procedure to rebuild her jaw and do new dental implants. The insurance company claimed the procedure wasn't medically necessary. Mm-hmm. The good news is once the story aired, a company called Delta Dental volunteered to pay for the surgery. Oh, that's great. Screw you, insurance companies. Pretty much across the board. Now, does not sweating have a negative side effect? I I mean... One would think, because it's a self-temperature regulatory process, right? I mean, that's why we don't pant like dogs. Now, we've done a series in the past of stories on foreign accent syndrome. Yeah. But this one is one of the most intriguing cases. It's also one of the earliest well-documented cases. During a German air raid in World War II, in Norway, a young woman whose name was Astrid suffered a brain injury after being hit by a piece of shrapnel. Uh, She did survive. She lived in Norway all of her life and, in fact, had never left the country. But once she regained consciousness after this incident... Ironically, she started speaking with a strong German accent. Oh. This caused a lot of issues during World War II. I bet. Uh, She was ostracized by her fellow Norwegians because they thought she was German. Of course, at the time, Norway and and Germany weren't, uh, well, they were enemies. They were not uh, friendly at all. Could she, this is, I have so many questions for, like, if you have this syndrome and so you have this accent, could you do a voice? Can you do an accent to make yourself not sound like Ooh, your accent? That's a fascinating concept. Because I don't have an accent, but I can do an accent. Well, you don't have an accent from your perspective. Well, we're all we're all clear here. I don't have an accent. <laughs> but... I, think, I think our Australian freaks might disagree. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, because Germany and, well, Norway was actually occupied by Germany for a while, actually several years, it got so bad for Astrid that storekeepers wouldn't even sell her food. Oh. And this condition affects people who speak any language at all. As recently as 2018, a woman from Arizona went to bed with a migraine and she woke up with a British accent. God, is that why British people have accents? Because they all have migraines? Like, wouldn't that be the weirdest thing? <laughs> that would like, be the weirdest thing ever. <laughs> like, I have arthritis, and suddenly I sound like I'm from New Zealand. <laughs> so weird. There are about 100 documented cases of this phenomenon. <laughs> it seems to occur when Broca's area of the brain is damaged. Uh, of course, that's the part of the brain that's responsible for speech. But where does this come from? Regaining consciousness and speaking in a foreign accent. In fact, there have been cases, extremely rare cases, where somebody will have an injury to that part of the brain. And when they wake up, they're talking in a completely different language with, with a perfect local accent. And they never had any training or education or knowledge of how to speak this language. You did a an episode on that long very time ago. early on. Is the language pre-programmed into our head somehow and i mean where did it come from how is it possible that they're just picking up universal consciousness it's the only explanation it's got to be something like that for sure it's body snatchers there's a guy whose name is joey de grandis he has a remarkable memory in fact he can recall any day in his life any day 
He remembers everything. And I mean everything. It's a condition called highly superior audiobiographical memory. And uh, there are only about 100 known cases. Dr. James McGaw, who's a professor of neurology and behavior at UC Irvine, has studied this condition. And he was interviewed for a segment on 60 Minutes back in 2010. And after that segment aired, people started reaching out to him about Joey. Joey is an exceptional case where you can t- you know, say to him, uh, what were you doing on this day when you were two? And he will describe the weather accurately. He'll describe sitting in his playpen, whatever the case may be. It's, mm-hmm. it's remarkable. He used it in school as kind of a cool party trick. I'm sure you want a lot of drinks that way. <laughs> I That sounds terrible to me. <laughs> like, I've had too much go on <laughs> yeah. that I'm glad I don't remember. Well, he doesn't disagree with that. He says that it's a curse and a blessing mm-hmm. because he never forgets anything. He's able to recall, recall all of his fond memories, but he's also enabled to forget negative experiences. In fact... When he thinks of things in his past, he feels the emotion as if it's just happening at that moment. Oh, goodness. And he can't escape any kind of negative experiences. He says the feelings never fade. That would that be a, must be exhausting. It would be a nightmare, I would think. Although, you know, you can win free drinks with, with that's, you know, that, well, there's that. something yeah i would hope that um, like being in a relationship with someone like that, you would have to I would think that you would have to trust them implicitly and you'd have to hope that they were a very kind person Mm. because any type of argument like, yes, I said that, no, I didn't say that, you know, you're always going to fall back on, well, I have a perfect memory. (laughs) And, you know, so you have to believe that they're going to be honest with you all the time about things that have been said and things that, I don't know, I have a bad memory. So I sometimes just, you say something, I'm like, yeah, probably that's what happened. Because I don't know. (laughs) Yeah, it certainly would give him a, a unique and distinct advantage when it came to arguing. I saved this story for last. I found this one the most Interesting and remarkable. On September 20, uh, I'm sorry, September 17th, 1988, a police officer in Walden, Tennessee, his name was Gary Dockery, responded to a 911 call. When he arrived and knocked on the door, the man opened the door and without saying anything, shot the police officer (gasps) point blank in the forehead. The shooter's name was uh, Samuel Frank Downey. And earlier in the evening... He was making a lot of noise and his neighbors called the cops and the cops came and they, you know, reprimanded him for being so noisy. Mm-hmm. And he said that the reason he he's the one that made the 911 call and uh, it was a fake call to get revenge for being reprimanded for making too much noise. So he shoots this guy point blank in the in the forehead. Gary did not immediately succumb to his injuries. But for 7 years He was in what people thought was a coma or perhaps a persistent vegetative state. The shooting destroyed about 20% of his brain. Mm. And that's how he stayed for seven years. He was in a nursing facility. And then in February of 1996, 
Gary developed pneumonia, and his family was told he would likely die if he didn't have surgery. They moved him from the nursing facility to Chattanooga Hospital. They removed the fluid from his lungs and put him on antibiotics. His family was debating whether or not they should put Gary through the surgery uh, that he needed or just kind of let nature take its course given the circumstances. Mm. He was running a fever of 104. His sister was sitting by his bed And she looked over and she saw that his eyes were wide open. According to the Associated Press, she said, Gary, it's me, your sister. And he responded, "Uh uh-huh. And she exclaimed, you're talking. And he brightly answered, yeah, sure am. (laughs) His sister quickly called their brother and told their brother, I've got somebody here that hasn't talked to you in a long time. And she gave the phone to Gary and Gary said, hey, buddy, what's going on? Oh, my gosh. Gary still thought it was 1988. He did not recall being shot. Well, that's good. And even though seven years had gone by and his sons were now teenagers, he immediately recognized who they were. He remembered the color of the Jeep that he used to drive. His son, Shane, said, quote, he talked himself to death that day. It was unbelievable. Unfortunately, his recovery was short-lived. He woke up on a Monday and he talked all day long. Tuesday, he still talked, but not quite so much. And by Wednesday, he had stopped talking completely. Oh, my gosh. He did survive the surgery to clear out his lungs, but fell back into a semi-conscious state and eventually did pass away April of 1997 at the age of 43. Nobody knows why he woke up for that brief period. The doctors first thought maybe it was a combination of these different medications they were giving him. So they went back over his chart and they couldn't find anything that could explain it that was medically induced or or chemically induced because of the combination of meds. Mm. They then thought perhaps it had something to do with his high fever, but that was not confirmed either. It still remains a mystery to this day why Gary woke up for a couple of days and seemed perfectly fine. Wow. And then just lost consciousness again. I got my information from Ranker, Newsweek, Medline Plus, Yahoo News Australia, and The Atlantic. That last one was real sad, though. Yeah, I'm sorry. But just the fact that he woke up at all after seven years. Yeah, and that his family was able to to speak with him yeah. and hear his voice and all that. I mean, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's a gift. It really is. The Box of Oddities with Kat and Jethro Gilligan-Toth. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. 
Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. And now, that thing in the middle. Throughout history, the disease syphilis has gone by many names. Before it was syphilis, the Italians called it the French disease. The French called it the Italian disease. The Portuguese called it the Spanish disease. Russians called it the Polish disease. The Polish called it the German disease. And the Arabs called it the Christian disease. Whatever you call it, one thing's for sure, it's well-traveled. Daniela wrote to us, longtime freak listener of this beloved podcast. I was talking to my husband the other night. He had a great suggestion. You guys should do Florida man stories. <laughs> now that you are also local residents in our humid melting pot of fuckery, we proud Floridians call home. Uh, double points if the stories include an alligator, because as you know, everyone in Florida rides an alligator to work. See, if that's what you want, then you're really going to like the new podcast. Yeah, the new podcast, uh, The Shallow End, that I'm doing with uh, Lindsay Schnebley, the voice of the curator. It's all about this kind of thing, just people doing really stupid things. Quick shout out, she said to my husband, Jake, who started listening with me. He just binged your 400-something episodes over a period of months on his drives to work, and I was completely caught up. He's retiring this year from the Marine Corps Reserve after 20 years of service and four deployments. He's my dream boat. Uh, proud flyer of the freak flag, Daniela. And uh, thanks, Daniela. And thank you, Jake, for your service. Also got this email. Speaking of weird things that happened to us in Florida. <laughs> the list is long. Wendy wrote, hey, guys, I can't remember if I sent this in already, but in listening to the recent episode, this was this email came in a while ago, where Kat found a dildo in the middle of the road in Orlando. I thought you might find this funny. I live in the Yukon. It's north and weird things tend to happen here. Keep in mind, our slogan is Yukon, larger than life. And a few years ago, the government ran a, a failed ad campaign talking about vitamin D that read, we all need the D. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder if that was intentional or if it just... Uh, uh, last fall, it appeared as though someone spilled an entire box of sex toys all over the highway. Jeez. Well, as you can imagine, the memes from witty Yukoners went on for weeks. If you'd like to check it out, you can see some of the great ones in the uh, Facebook group called The Yukon Memes and scroll back to mid-September. Totally worth the look. Love you both. Thanks for always making me laugh, Wendy. Thank you, Wendy. Thank you, Wendy. I imagine living in a Yukon, it's important to keep your sex toys warm. When Johann Rahl received the letter on Christmas Day, 1776, he put it away to read later. Maybe he thought it was a season's greeting and wanted to save it for the fireside. But what it actually was, was a warning, delivered to the Hessian colonel, letting him know that General George Washington was crossing the Delaware and would soon attack his forces. The next day, when Rawl lost the Battle of Trenton and died from two Colonial Boxing Day musket balls, the letter was found, unopened in his vest pocket. 
As someone with 15,000 unread emails in his inbox, I feel like there's a lesson there. Oh well, this is The Constant, a history of getting things wrong. I'm Mark Chrysler. Every episode, we look at the bad ideas, mistakes, and accidents that misshaped our world. Find us at ConstantPodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Are you interested in the parts of history that remain a mystery? Do you want to learn more about the historical myths and misconceptions used to prop up false belief today? I'm Nathaniel Lloyd. In my podcast, Historical Blindness, I delve into all of these topics, sharing puzzling tales from the past and examining hoaxes, conspiracy theories, and misremembered events that provide insight into modern politics and religion. Find out what's real and what's not when it comes to famous conspiracy theories, like those surrounding notorious assassinations and secret societies. Discover the weak and deceptive underpinnings of modern political ideologies and religious beliefs. Join me as I attempt to shed some light on our historical blind spots. New episodes every two weeks. Find Historical Blindness on most podcast players and platforms. The podcast that automatically downloads and sterilizes itself with bleach. You're welcome. This is The Box of Oddities. All right, girl, lay one on me. And then tell me a story. I'm not sure what that means. Wait, what? Use your imagination. Uh, spring in Japan. Imagine it. We're in Kawasaki. It's an industrial city in the greater Toyota, <laughs> in the greater Tokyo area. The sun is shining between rain showers and the air is filled with the intoxicating aroma of cherry blossoms Ooh, fresh on the limbs. Sounds lovely. You notice a crowd gathered, hundreds of people making their way down a nearby street, a giant pink dildo propped up on their shoulders. <laughs> ah, spring in Japan. Oh, wow. Yeah, it is. The Japanese Penis Festival. Yes, Japan. Kanamari Matsui, otherwise known as the Penis Festival or Festival of the Steel Phallus, is an annual festival held every year on the first Sunday of April in Kawasaki, Japan. It's held at the Kaneyama Shrine in Kawasaki, and the origins of this festival, well, they trace back to several things. Back in the day, there used to be a festival called the Jibeta Matsuri, which means ground festival. And it was a community event that was held around the time when the bamboo sprouts would appear above the ground in the spring. And the participants would have a feast sitting on the ground in a bamboo grove, hoping to receive some of the life force of the bamboo shoots in their own bodies. I, hopefully the bamboos aren't shooting up too quickly because that could be... <clears throat> Ouch. Anyway, there's also an ancient Japanese legend of a jealous red-faced sharp-toothed demon who hid in the vagina of a goddess. Now, the demon was obsessed with not letting other men experience carnal knowledge mm. of this goddess. And it's said that he would bite and rip off, uh, to their great surprise, the penises of... Uh, any man who came anywhere near the vagina, um, including her first two husbands. It would seem to me that after that happened to the first guy, mm -hmm. 
it would be hard to find somebody interested in. You think that she should have been upfront and honest about well, what happened to disclosure? Her, yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay. Right. Yeah. Well, finally, a third, more determined suitor who was a blacksmith created an iron phallus that ended up breaking the demon's teeth, and he won over the the beautiful woman, and that led to the item's enshrinement at the Kaneyama Shrine in Kawasaki. Wow. Now, the Kaneyama Shrine is a tiny shrine, and it was built roughly in 698 CE. It's actually housed within a larger shrine. It's beautiful, though not very large, and it's not very lavishly decorated, as some other shrines are. But it does enshrine two deities, which together are the gods of blacksmithing and sex. There are two separate gods for that. There's not one god for both the blacksmithing and the sex. I, I guess together, like their powers combined. I see. It's like Captain Planet. But with blacksmithing and sex. Okay. The shrine became a focal point for couples who wished to pray for fertility and good fortune in their marriage. And because Kawasaki used to be a lodging area along the main road connecting the eastern capital of Edo and Kyoto, from the 17th to the 19th century, it's said that women who worked in nearby inns as maids and sex workers used to come to this shrine to pray to be protected from diseases and misfortune. And they could also get some horseshoes made. Handy. It's like your one-stop outlet for blacksmithing and fornication. Well, that's about the time that the main focus of many of those visiting the shrine changed from an overall fertility and marital well-being changed to more of a fertility and sexual health. So after the 19th century, pilgrimages to the shrine started to dwindle. And it was in 1970 that the chief priest at that time, Hiroiko Nakamura, decided to resurrect the tradition. It started again, though, and people wanted protection against sexually transmitted diseases. They would come, of course. but on a small scale and at nighttime. Mm-hmm. Don't want to be seen not wanting to get uh, chlamydia. I feel like it's it's pretty okay to let everyone know that you don't want chlamydia. Mm, yeah, I would think. Personally. So this is what prompted the Kaneyama Shrine parishioners to initiate this festival. They wanted for anybody to be able to come and take part in the festival without being discriminated against. Now, after several decades of this new festival, the popularity skyrocketed when in 2012, a TV star Uh, named Matsuko Deluxe, who's an outspoken advocate of sex positivity and LGBTQ rights, name-checked the festival. And then it gained more popularity on YouTube, as you might imagine (laughs) seeing the historically chill Japanese people parading a giant penis through the streets might... It certainly captivates one's attention. So at the Kanamara Festival, there are three portable shrines. The Kankiyamara Mikoshi the Kanyamara Boat Mikoshi, and the Elizabeth Mikoshi. One is a portable shrine with a square base and a roof, and then there's a wooden phallus inside. That's the oldest of the shrines. And then there's the portable shrine with the boat-shaped base and a roof, and inside is a glowing black iron phallus. And then the newest of the three, which is uh, a portable shrine with a huge pink dildo on a base, but there's no roof. 
Now, of course, at any festival, you're going to find food. There's traditional delights like yakisoba, uh, stir-fried noodles. There's takoyaki, fried balls of batter with uh, pieces of octopus inside. (laughs) And then chocolate-covered bananas, because it just makes a lot of sense for this festival, being banana-shaped. And then there are more modern treats, like penis-shaped lollipops and phallic vegetables. There's a amazaki stand where you can be given a small salty fish to eat before your sweet milk. And apparently that's supposed to create a, a taste and texture sensation that some might find familiar. Okay. And then there are activities as well. Maybe you want to try your hand at carving a penis out of a radish. Or you can stop by for a photo op on one of the giant wooden phalluses set up on the shrine grounds. Now, of course, when you go to this festival, you want to get dressed up, right? So you're going to see people in colorful costumes, wearing penises, Mm -hmm. um, wearing hats that look like penises, face masks that look like penises. (laughs) Um, You could wear um, gloves that have penis hands. Really? There's lots of options. Occasionally, you're going to find vagina-looking items as well. You know, kind of a a hand-in-hand type. Yeah, uh, sure. You know how sometimes, yeah. Yeah. Then there's souvenirs. So you could get key rings or penis home decor, greeting cards. Wait, wait, wait. Penis home decor. Yeah, like candles and wall plaques. That sounds homey. So this traditional festival to pray for fertility, healthy childbirth, safe sex, it's exploded in popularity where it's now a place where all types of people uh, can enjoy the parade Mm -hmm. as well as the the delightful foods and can celebrate sex positivity. There's uh, representatives of the LGBTQ plus and those who are partaking to celebrate stamping out discrimination. There are residents and visitors alike. It's estimated that the festival sees about 50,000 attendees every year, and about 60% come from elsewhere. And great news, the money raised during the event goes towards supporting research into HIV and AIDS. So yes, it's very commercialized and it's very touristy, but it's for a good cause. And it does still hold on to its roots as a traditional celebration, and it should be treated as such. Though, of course, it's delightful to see these giant wieners carried about on the shoulders of brightly dressed folks. Of course. Um, you are encouraged to have fun, of course, but a respectful tone should be maintained. Woohooing is absolutely encouraged well sure they they consider slurping noodles a compliment too why wouldn't they encourage woohooing at a penis or slurping at a penis <laughs> i don't know i don't know. <laughs> um but uh the parade is in a residential area so getting drunk and screaming around the streets like in most cases is frowned upon mm. so um again this festival even though it is this bright fun touristy thing i mean it does have a traditional rooted history and and so it's this wonderful combination of things and it's all for a good cause and i don't know i really kind of want to go of course you do yeah it's a festival and there are penises there (laughs) you're not stupid are you i'm there I got most of my information from Japanistry, MatchaJP.com, BuzzFeed News, and Culture Trip. Maybe next time we crack a bottle of champagne, we book a trip there. (laughs) Maybe. 
Hopefully you can book a trip to come see one of our live shows. It happens next week. I see what you did there. Yep. And uh, tickets, of course, are available at our website, theboxofoddities.com. And as we mentioned, uh, I think it was the last show. These are the only shows we're going to do this year. Yeah. We've got too many drunken trips that we've already booked. So, <laughs> Well, <clears throat> we do have a few. Um, but uh, we're hoping that, you know, we get back on the road maybe 2023. But there's a lot going on right now with a new podcast coming up and some other projects we're working on. Uh, so unfortunately, these will be the only live shows we do. So come see us while you got a chance this year. The shows are all next week, and you can, again, get your tickets at theboxofoddities.com. We really hope to see you there. And we hope to see you next time. Until then, keep flying that freak flag. Fly it proudly, you beautiful freak. And so, let it be known that the Box of Oddities belongs to you, and its fate is in your hands. Therefore, it's been requested by those to whom I report to beseech you for assistance. We ask but one thing of you, to provide a five-star rating and a positive review. True, that is two things. However, tis merely a five-star rating and a positive review. Also, subscribe to us. Okay, so three things is all we ask. Three things and three things only. Henceforth, the Box of Oddities commits to the telling of stories. Stories of the strange, the bizarre, the unexpected. We wish to offer our deeply felt gratitude and appreciation for your patronage. TheBoxOfOddities.com Copyright 2022. All rights reserved. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Hello everyone, it's here. And I'm Gabby. And we are the hosts of History of Everything, a podcast which you can probably guess by the name is, well, I mean, it's about everything. Do you want to know why people thought potatoes were evil and would give you syphilis? Are you curious about all the stories of the terrible and stupid ways that people have kicked the bucket over the years? Do you want to hear tales about all of the different badasses of history and the lives that they had brought to life? Well, if so, then look no further. History of Everything is just the right podcast for you. It's available on Spotify, Pandora, and anywhere else that you get your podcast from. Join us for some fun and just see how weird and wacky history can be.